So today, we're going to talk about hope. Got lots of little nuggets of truth. These little nuggets, I believe, have the potential to take us another step in our walk, in our receiving, because God's done his part. Like Tom said, our part is to release what we already have. And I believe this truth, these little nuggets of truth, will be another step. Okay. So first of all, we're going to look at God's definition of hope. We're going to start with Hebrews 11.1. 1. This is a familiar scripture. We love this scripture. Now, present tense, right now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. And faith is the evidence of things not seen. So this thing called faith, which is the foundation that I'm building this trust, hope, action, teaching on. Faith is being fully persuaded of something true. Now, we can be fully persuaded in the doctor's report. We can be fully persuaded in the medicine's support or help or healing or whatever. We can put our faith where we choose to. But this is a healing class, and our whole focus is on our amazing God and his amazing promises. So faith that we're talking about today is being fully persuaded and believing in God, in his word, and that he can and will do what he promises. So faith is the substance. Faith is the groundwork. Faith is this full persuasion that I believe with all my heart. I don't have to understand it, but I believe it. I choose to believe in God. I believe that he's faithful. I believe that when he says his promises are yes, they're yes. I believe that when he says by the stripes of Jesus we're healed, then by the stripes of Jesus we were healed. I believe him at his word. So being fully persuaded of truth is the substance the foundation, think of a basement being founded on, or, or a house being built on the foundation of a strong, in Michigan, usually a basement, but it's strong foundation. And that faith, that is our foundation for hope. That is the foundation for hope. So I want to con- compare and contrast the worldview of hope and God's view of hope, the biblical view of, of hope. The world's view is so watered down. The world's view of hope is a wish or that would be nice. We might say, oh, I hope someday I'm out of debt. I hope someday, you know, my kids grow up to be great people or whatever. It's a, it's a, it's a desire. It's a dream. It's a wish. That's the world view. God's view is so much different. God's view of hope is to wait for the fullness of salvation with joy and full confidence. Let me say that again. This thing called hope is to believe, to wait for salvation, which you use the word sozo, a beautiful word for the fullness of God's plan for us, Kim. To wait for sozo with, not just to wait, but to wait with full confidence and expectation because it's yours, because it's already been purchased. Um, Hope is a joyful and a confident expectation and an anticipation. 
that it's yours. So you're joyfully confident and expecting the promise to be manifest in your life. You're fully confident and anticipating that to be manifest in your life. That word hope also means to hopefully trust in. Hope is a step beyond trust. The last time I spoke, we talked about trust. And we talked about trust being faith in action. Not just believing, but trusting. In the Proverbs 3, 5 scripture, when it talks about trust in the Lord with all your heart, it literally means to lean on God for support. To lean on his word for support. To let God support you. And to do it with all your heart. But the opposite or the contrasting part of that is don't lean on your own understanding. Lean on God for support. Lean on, rely on, and be confident in God with all your heart. Don't lean on yourself. You see, in the world, that's what we tend to do. We lean on ourselves, or we lean on our doctor. Or we lean on our husband. Or we lean on our friends. We research. We reason things out. We're leaning on our own understanding instead of leaning on God and letting him support us. That's what trust is. The two words in that scripture that I've been kind of thinking about a lot are our, our head and our heart. Because God says, trust in me with all your heart. And he says, don't lean on your own understanding, which is kind of a brain thing. Well, we know, according to science, that we only use a tiny portion of the capacity of our brain. We can't do a whole lot compared to what God can do. So when we're leaning on our own understanding, it's like bringing God down and taking away all of his amazing plan for us because we're doing it with our puny little capacity when he has unlimited capacity and an amazing inheritance that is already set aside for us. So hope is a step beyond trust because hope is to have this joyful and confident expectation in God and in his word as we're leaning on him. It's not just leaning on him for support, but it's as we're leaning on him for support, we're doing it with confident expectation and anticipation and joy. And you know what amazes me? It, it, I shouldn't amaze me. I guess I should say it blesses me. That's a better word. It blesses me so much when I see joy in you guys. When you come in here in a healing meeting, with sparkle in your eyes and a smile on your face because of the good news. Now, you might not have good news from the doctor, but you have amazing news here. And as you start to take that in, that's what we see. We see a change. We see your countenance change. That's hope. That's us visually being able to witness hope coming alive in you. So here's the Vines Expository Dictionary definition of hope, and it's on your paper. That's a biblical dictionary. 
It's favorable and confident expectation. Now, the word favorable means good news, good report, a favorable report. A favorable report, confident expectation, a joyful anticipation of good. And the reason we have that, the object of that favorable and confident expectation, is God and his truth. That's the source of our hope. And it looks like joy, anticipation, and expectation. So that's, that's God's definition of hope. It's good. So what we're going to look at now are several nuggets of truth about hope. So here's the first one. God's promises. God's promises give us hope. God's promises feed our soul and hope arises. And I'm going to give you evidence from the Bible. I'm going to give you three scriptures. Listen to this. The first one is Romans chapter 4, verses 18 through 21. This is about Abraham. Now notice, when I read this scripture, Abraham in the natural had no reason for hope. He was an old man. He was, bar- he was impotent and his wife was barren. But listen to this. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping. He kept believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you'll have. See, there's the promise. He had a promise. And even though it looked like there was no hope in the natural, he still had hope because the promise fed that and fueled that hope in him that I believe it's a Holy Spirit thing. I don't think it's something we just conjure up. I believe when we take in the word, hope arises. And then it goes on. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. So he had a promise. That promise gave him hope, even when it looked like there should be no hope in the natural. Psalm 130, verse 5. I wait patiently for the Lord. My soul expectantly waits. And in his word do I hope. That's what Kim did as she shared those amazing, miraculous pieces of testimonies. She had the word in there. And it caused that confidence and that expectation to rise up within her. Romans 15, 4. Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. And the scriptures give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. Now, here's a nugget that I want to share with you. I heard a teacher say this recently, and I'm going to say this two or three times today. You might want to, I don't know if I wrote it down on your paper or not. If I didn't, you might want to write this. We shouldn't let time determine our faith that elapse of time, if there is an elapse of time, we shouldn't let time determine our faith. Truth is what determines faith. The promise of the word is what determines our faith. And it results in hope. But time should have nothing to do with it. Time doesn't determine faith. 
truth does. Now I want to give you some application. We've talked about, just a little bit, about God's promises bringing us hope. Kim said she had a lot of promises. I'm going to share some of the promises God has given to me. He maybe has given you some of the same ones. One of the first ones. By his stripes, Cindy, you were healed. That's an amazing promise. I love that word. I meditate on the word. And when I do, I literally envision Jesus choosing to take those stripes from me. By his stripes, I was healed. Here's another promise that God has given to me. I love this one. With long life will I satisfy you, Cindy, and I will show you my salvation. With long life will I satisfy you. I don't want just a long life. I want a long life satisfied, filled to the overflow. That's what he wants for all of his kids. That's his promise. And it says he'll show me his salvation. And salvation includes remission of sin, eternal life, healing, prosperity, wholeness, completeness, redemption. That's a promise. Here's another promise I love that I stand on. This is Nahum 1.9. Affliction will not rise up a second time. I will never, according to God's word in my heart, that word is in my heart, be diagnosed with a recurrence of cancer because it says affliction will not rise up a second time. That's his promise. I've received it. I believe it with all my heart. I'm going to just intersperse a couple things about um, our daughter and the Appalachian Trail as it applies to this teaching. So those of you who know our daughter, um, because I talk about her a lot, um, beautiful, beautiful young girl who is um, searching. She's searching. She doesn't know what she's searching for, but she's searching. And so she's on the Appalachian Trail. She started in Georgia, and she's going to go all the way to Maine. Before she started, God just put something in my heart that said she's going to encounter God on this trail. I don't know how. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't need to know. But I believe that there's going to be an immense God encounter or multiple God encounters, and I believe there's already been some on this trail. So I've got words that I'm standing on believing for her because she... To make a long story short, she was very um, strong in her walk with God when she was a junior and senior in high school. And then she went to um, a college. And like a lot of our college kids, she kind of got into the, the, the world's way of thinking and the world's way of viewing things, the worldview. So I'm standing on God's word. In Psalm 112, verse 2, it says, The generation of the upright shall be blessed. That's a promise. I am upright, and I'm not talking about being perfect because I'm not perfect, but I am upright. I am righteous. I am God's daughter. And it says here that the generation, my legacy as a believer is for my daughter to be blessed. That's Megan's legacy because of God in me. Joshua 24:15 says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Absolutely. I see it. I know it. I have this anticipation, literally. I have an anticipation and expectation, and I just get excited when I just 
pray and think about Megan and declare God's word promises over her Acts 16 31 says believe on the lord jesus christ and you will be saved you and your household that's for my daughter in jesus name and because she's on the trail and camping out there with the wildlife and hiking up and down mountains psalm 91 has a big one I pray Psalm 91 over my family. And Psalm 91 verse 10 says, No evil will conquer you. No disaster will come near your home or your family. In Jesus' name. And I speak protection over her all the time. And those are just a few. But the point that I'm making is that God's promises give us hope. God's promises build that hope up, that expectation up. But we need that to take those promises, meditate on them, Let them settle our soul, feed our heart, whatever it is that we need, bring us peace, bring us confidence, whatever it is that we need in that day or that season. Okay, so here's the second nugget. Hope includes positive imagination. Let me explain. First, I'm going to read a scripture, then I'm going to explain. Romans 8, verses 24 and 25 For we were saved in this hope. But hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. So what Paul is saying in here is that you don't need hope for something you've already seen. Remember, faith is evidence of things not yet seen. And hope, faith is the substance for hope, that expectation. Well, this scripture says, this scripture in verse 25 says, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it eagerly with perseverance. Basically what he's saying is that hope means that you're looking at something that you've not yet seen. Let me say that again. Hope is looking at something that you haven't seen yet. So how do you look at something that you can't see? You look at it with the eyes of your heart. You look at it with something that God's gifted us with, which is an imagination. With the eyes of our heart, we meditate. With the eyes of our heart, we envision the the finished work already manifested we see it before we see it with the eyes of our heart but we have a choice and this is where the world gets messed up but we're not of the world we have a choice we can use that that um the eyes of our heart we can use our imagination in the negative which is called worry where we envision all the bad stuff happening. Or we can use the eyes of our heart for the positive, which is hope, which is God's hope, which is envisioning God's promises coming to pass. We have a choice. One of the, oh, I want to say this first. Both of those are self-fulfilling prophecies whether we envision and worry about the problem and envision the bad stuff or whether we envision the good stuff. They're both self-fulfilling. They're both very powerful. 
I'm going to read a couple scriptures, then I'm going to give you another um, uh, piece of this, this walk that I'm walking through with our daughter right now as she walks the trail. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Let me say that again. As he thinks in his heart, as the eyes of his heart sees, so is he. So are the eyes of your heart focusing on the negative? If so, so, so are you in that, in that negative picture? Or are you envisioning God's promise coming to pass? If that's the case, so is it. So will it be. Ephesians 1, 18 and 19, love this scripture. This is a scripture you can pray for other people. This is a scripture you can pray for yourself to have the eyes of your heart wake up. Shiloh, did you have a question or you just praising, praying? Okay, awesome. Listen to this. And I pray that the eyes of your heart, the very center and core of your being may be enlightened, flooded with the light by the Holy Spirit so that you will know and cherish the hope, the divine guarantee, the confident expectation to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, God's people. And so that you will begin to know what the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of his active spiritual power is in us who believe. This is something I pray a lot for my daughter, but I also need this. I need to see with the eyes of my heart the way God sees. I pray this for my daughter. I want the eyes of her heart to be open to recognize God when she encounters him. I want the eyes of her heart, and I, I declare it so it's done. I declare that the eyes of her heart are open to recognize and to know his love, to recognize and to know his greatness, to recognize and know the immensity of his power and his plan for her. But I need that too. So as I, through this whole journey, I told Megan when she started, and I know I've told this to you guys already. I said, I will not worry. I will not worry. I refuse to sit and think about what could happen. I'm not going to do it. What I do envision, what I do um, allow the eyes of my heart to focus on are the, the finished work. One of the things that she... Um, she did this week, actually. I took her guitar out. We took our, her guitar because she's a musician. And she's been on the trail since April 5th and hasn't had an instrument to play, except singing, which is, it, that stays with her all the time. So I took her guitar, and she's playing one of the songs that she's been playing that is so beautiful is the song, Give Me Jesus. It's an it's a old gospel. She calls it an old, um, what does she call it, a gospel something. But we know it from Bethel and from J. Um, Who's the other guy that does it, Kat? It doesn't matter. Anyway, it's the song. Give me Jesus. Give me Jesus. I can't sing very well. Maggie can. Anyway, it was beautiful. She's playing guitar and singing this song. Now, I believe, I don't know. I think she was just singing it because it's a beautiful song. But she was singing it. 
It was coming out of her mouth. She was playing the guitar and it was singing it. We picked up a couple uh, because they needed a ride. And we, uh, long story, I won't go into that. As we're driving, I had said nothing about Megan being a singer. They had known her from the trail. All these guys and girls get to know each other. And they said, oh my gosh, your daughter's voice is amazing. They said, we were out on the mountain one night. They all camp in groups. And she said, and she sang this song about Jesus. I know what song it was because she had sung it to me. And they said, it was like when you're out in the mountains in the middle of the night and you hear that voice, they said, it was, it was just beautiful. So God gives me little nuggets of my, uh, in my thing that I've been envisioning coming to pass. Now there's a whole lot that hasn't, a whole lot that hasn't. That doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Hope means you don't have what you're hoping for yet, but I still see it. I still see it. I still envision it. I still have great expectation. I still get excited. I know that it's a done deal because I have the promise. Because I have the promise. It's in the book. And God says yes to every one of those promises. So part of hope is using the eyes of your heart to envision, to see as God sees. I see my daughter as God sees her. And it's beautiful. Okay. The next nugget I want to share for you is hope strengthens our heart. Psalm 31 verse 34 says, And he shall strengthen your heart, all you who hope in the Lord. That word strengthen means to be fortified or to be edified. The scripture says that as we hope in the Lord, our heart will be strengthened. Our heart is our, is our inner man, and it includes our soul, our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions. This scripture says that as we hope, Biblically, as we confidently, joyfully expect and wait on that promise to be manifested, to be fully manifested in our life, our heart is strengthened. It's fortified. When you think about something being fortified, it's like a military term. More uh, weaponry, more um, soldiers, more of everything to, to, to be there, to protect, to, to fight the battle, whatever it is fortified. Your heart is fortified and your heart is edified. It's built up. Many, many times we haven't felt so built up. This scripture says that hope strengthens us. It fortifies us and edifies our heart. Isaiah 40, beautiful scripture. Love, love, love this scripture. Starting with verse 28. Do you not know Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, doesn't become tired or grow weary. There's no searching of his understanding. Bottom line, guys, God is amazing. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't say, oh, I'm going to, you know, wait till next week to help her. No, he's never not there. He's always with us. He's always for us. The next part says, he gives strength to the weary and to him who has no might, he increases power. 
And then it kind of switches a little bit. It says, even youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly. So first it says he gives strength, and he increases power. We're going to read in the next section that that's for those who hope. That's for his kids. But there are young, strong people who do get tired. They do grow weary. So we're on that mountain. (laughs) Oh, boy. They were hiking like 25 miles a day. I did nine one day, and I thought I was going to need to, like, sleep for two days. I was so tired. They're strong. Oh, my gosh, are they strong. They're just so prepared, especially these guys. I mean, they're so built up and prepared and, and physically fit. They got tired. I saw them. (laughs) We had five hikers stay with us. We rented a little house. They stayed with us. They were so tired, they could barely get up off of the couch or the floor. If one of them needed something, it was like, oh, would you get me that too? They literally were so tired. Even strong, young, youthful people get tired. But, listen to this, but those who wait for the Lord, and that word wait is the same um, root word as the word hope. Because the word hope or the word wait means to eagerly wait for, to eagerly expect, to do it with that anticipation and confidence. So those who hope or those who wait for the Lord, who expect, who look for, and who hope in him will gain new strength and renew their power. Isn't that good news? They will gain new strength and renew their power. They will lift up their wings and rise up close to God like eagles rising toward the sun. They will run and not become weary. They will walk and not grow tired. We need that. And this is probably talking about the spiritual strength and the spiritual power. We need that. When you're in the middle of a journey, that building up, that that strengthening and the power of the Holy Spirit in you to walk through that season soaring like an eagle. Hope strengthens our heart. Next nugget of truth. There's only one real reason to be without hope. There's only one. Without God. You're without hope. Let me read Ephesians 2, verses 11 and 12. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. Now, this is before they were um, part of the, the chosen family. After Jesus died, all, all, Jesus paid for all to be saved. So now, Gentiles, we were Gentiles. I was a Gentile before I was saved because I wasn't part of the the Jewish chosen ones. But he says in here, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. Because even the Jewish aren't circumcised into their heart until they receive Jesus, until they receive the inheritance of Jesus by believing. In those days... You were living apart from Christ. 
You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you didn't know the covenant promises of God. You didn't know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope. So those who don't know God are without hope. And I would even go so far as to say that those who don't know God's covenant promises are without hope. Even if you are a son or a daughter of the king and you don't know his covenant promises, people perish from lack of knowledge. There are many born-again Christians who are hopeless because they don't have the promises in their hearts. But here's the good news. With Christ, we are with hope. Colossians 1, 26 and 27. I put this one on your handout because it's from the Passion Translation. I want you to have this beautiful, uh, passionate um, translation of the scripture. There's a divine mystery, a secret surprise that has been concealed from the world for generations, but now it's being revealed, unfolded, and manifested for every holy believer to experience. Living within you is the Christ who floods you with the expectation, the hope of glory. That's the secret surprise, guys. Living within you and me is the Christ who floods us, who floods us. He lives in us and he floods us with the expectation, the hope of glory. Glory is his manifest presence. Glory is the manifestation of the inheritance in your life. Glory is healing. Glory is wholeness. Glory is completeness. And we have Christ in us, the hope of that glory. And then listen to this. This mystery of Christ embedded within us becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope. This mystery of Christ embedded in you, he lives in you, becomes a heavenly treasure chest of hope filled with the riches of glory for his people. And God wants us all to know it. Right there is a nugget you could take home and be changed forever. You have a treasure chest of hope in you. The glory of God resides in you. Christ in you, the hope, the expectation of glory. With Christ, we have hope. Without him, no hope. With him, hope. Without him, no hope. That's why it just breaks my heart when I see people who don't know God, who don't know Jesus. They're striving, they're searching, they're seeking. They don't realize what they're missing. <laughs> so the big question then what about when I don't feel hopeful? What if I feel hopeless? What if I'm discouraged? I'm going to say this before I read the, the remaining two or three scriptures. That's a big question. That's a big discussion. And I'm not teaching on the, that great big question tonight. But I have taught a powerful teaching called hopefulness, not hopelessness. 
God has given us everything we need to live full of hope. We don't need to live discouraged or hopeless. I put the the, um, link on your paper. So if you want to listen to that full teaching about this one topic, about being hopeful and not hopeless, it's on your paper. It's on our website. It's free. You just go on and, and listen. You can listen through video or through audio or through iTunes. So it's there. But what I want to share, just one nugget tonight, about when you feel or if you feel hopeless or discouraged. The first scripture I want to read, it looks kind of weird because, go, can't we go to the next slide? Because there's one scripture, but there's three references. Go back one. You'll see as soon as it comes up that it's the same scripture is repeated three times in two Psalms. It's Psalm 42, and it's repeated in verse 5, verse 11, and then again in Psalm 43, verse 5. And in the midst of this Psalm, as soon as it comes up, having a problem right now, as soon as it comes up, in the midst of this Psalm, the psalmist is, is lamenting. The psalmist is in the middle of a, tribul- a turbulent time, it doesn't tell us what it is, but he is just crying out to God because he's discouraged. He's, he's hopeless. In the middle of that lament, three times, he, he says this. He says, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. See, he made a choice. I choose. I will put my hope in God. I will praise him. Again, my Savior and my God. In the midst of this thing that he's going through, he says, I will put my hope in God and I will praise him, my Savior and my God, my salvation and everything that that includes. I will praise him in the midst of it. Three times he repeats that same psalm. It's not a coincidence. He needed to keep choosing to hope. He needed to keep choosing to praise God in the midst of the whatever it was he was going through. So one nugget, one huge nugget, is when you're feeling hopeless is to choose to hope anyway. Choose to say, this is your word. I exalt your truth over the facts. I know you are faithful to your word. You are unchanging and unstoppable. The next one, Psalm 71, 14. But I will hope continually and will praise you Yet more and more. Again, hope and praising God. Not after this thing has already come to pass, but in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the journey. Romans 4, verses 20 and 21. This is again about Abraham. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. The promise gave him hope. The promise rose up, and he did not waver. Whenever I look at the scripture, I see three parts, and the part in the middle is giving God glory. He gave glory to God, and it strengthened him. The beginning part of the scripture said he did not waver in unbelief. The second part says because he was fully convinced that God was able to keep that word. It was his word. It was his promise. Done. But in the midst of that was the praise. So when or if 
you're feeling hopeless or discouraged, praise him. Don't let time determine your faith, but truth. So envision the promise. If that promise is a promise you've been believing for a long time, you might need to pick it up and dust it off and let hope rise up in you again. So at the bottom of your sheet, there is a scriptural prayer for hope. This is a scripture. And this is something you can pray and speak over yourself. And I'm just going to pray it right now for you. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen, amen, amen. Um, I'm going to pray for you first, and then we're going to do one more song in closing, and then we'll be here to pray for everybody. This is what I want to pray. And Kent, just, I'm going to move back up here. I want you to um, keep taping this because I'm praying for everybody that's listening to this. What I want to pray is resurrection life, the power of resurrection life in your soul, in that thing in us that, that is hope, that expectation. The Bible says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us and quickens our mortal body. So I'm praying, Father, right now that that Holy Spirit power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead, that same Holy Spirit power breathes within our soul and breathes new life into that hope, breathes new life into the promise of God, that the promise is, is gloriously shining with life. It's not a dead promise sitting in a book. It is a living promise covered with light, giving off the light of the truth of the word. I pray, Father God, that the power of the resurrection brings that promise back to life. If it's been lying dormant, in our heart, brings it back to life. And that that promise once again stirs up strength, stirs up power, stirs up hope in our hearts again. And that we see the object of our hope. We see it with the eyes of our heart. We believe it with all of our heart once again. And we are fully persuaded. We are fully persuaded, God that what you promised is already been purchased for us. It's ours. And we release it through our soul into our lives and receive it. I pray, Father God, for complete resurrection in our spirit, in our souls, and in our bodies. Whatever needs resurrected, God, I thank you for healing, for restoring, for renewing, for rejuvenating, for refreshing for refiring that thing in us. Hope, arise. Hope, come alive again. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.